we need the anointing of God. The anointing is that divine enablement of the Holy Ghost or the power of God to operate and function in our life. And some of us men need the anointing of God on our life to really be our father. We need the anointing of God in our life. Some of us business people, we need an anointing. You can go through the motion, and I don't want to go through the motion. You should want to be anointed. You're listening to the Anointed Leadership Podcast with Terry Lynn Scott. Subscribe today to start cultivating more leadership anointing in your life. Now here's your host, Terry Lynn Scott. Everybody, welcome back to the Anointed Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Lynn Scott. I am so grateful that you're joining me today. Whatever platform you're on, uh, welcome to the podcast today. And uh, as we always do before I jump into it, actually, let me tell you, the content today, we're kind of following up off of the last episode where we talked about growth or control-driven leadership. And today we're talking about implementation of change for growth in your ministry, your church, your business, your organization, whatever that is. Again, this is the Anointed Leadership Podcast. And this is where we're asking the anointing of Jesus Christ to get all over us, enabling us to accomplish everything that God has called us to do. Before we jump in, a couple things. Number one, if you've never subscribed to the channel, you're new here, welcome to it. Uh, Go back and listen to all the episodes as I believe they're really good content and I'm sure they'll add value to you. Also hit the subscribe button and the notification button so you'll know when we we jump on. We do these every other Thursday. It's, It's normally twice a month, every other Thursday and bringing leadership content there. Second thing is leave me a comment. Add me, add a question, something to one of my podcast channels or my YouTube or Facebook. Love to help you any way I can. Also, uh, join me on my website at terrylinscott.com. Uh, there you can communicate with me, email me. You can ask me questions and I can answer those. Also, we can uh, do anything we can to help you, your team, your church, your staff, whatever that is to come in and be a, be a help to you, whatever that looks like. Uh, and work through there. Uh, Lastly is this, share this. If this content is adding value to you and helping you in any form or fashion, do me a quick favor and just hit the share button. Send it to your friends, family, coworkers, your pastor, your church leaders, uh, whoever it is, send it to them. Send it to another pastor friend of yours that you know that might can benefit and ask them just to listen to the content. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. And listen, we're jumping in again. Episode 36, we're talking about implementation of change for growth in the ministry. And and how do you do that? You know, last time we talked out, last one out, we talked about growth or control-driven leadership. And what you have to realize is we need both. We need both of those styles of leadership. I I thought, a few years back, I actually thought that growth-driven leadership was the only real leadership style. I began to discover over my research and over my study, and and as I began to just pray and just study my Bible, and I began to see where Jesus actually had a a control-driven, but he also had growth-driven. And it really looks like this. I believe God wants everything in your life to grow. I don't believe he wants it to stay the same. Actually, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it basically says this in the English Standard Version, and we all with unveiled faces, that means we've been removed, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That means step phase to phase. It's growth for this comes from the spirit of the Lord, right? So this is where we're at. We're at this place that we're being transformed from one degree to the next. We should be consistently growing in every level of our organization, every level as our church, whatever it is, there should be growth. It really, I have a hard time finding verses that say that you're comfortable with your 12 and no more. The reality is Jesus had multitudes that followed him. He had multitudes of people following him and listening to him. 
you know, 4,000, 5,000, 20,000. He had all over. He had his close people were 12. But those closest to him are the ones that changed the world, which is where you find exponential growth. He only gathered the, clo- the ones closest to him and he, and he dealt with everything. But with everybody else, it was parabolic, right? So what we find is you need the inner circle, but you need to grow. You should. This is what the Bible teaches us. And so what I want to, I want you to realize this, um, that in your development of leadership, your style of leadership, whatever that is, you have to, first of all, be completely comfortable that change is always needed, but it's not always accepted. Most of the time before it's accepted from anybody else, it's going to have to be accepted from the leader. Now, if you're a pastor, you you have been called to pastor, shepherd, overlook, feed, uh, and do that. But you also have a responsibility to equip and train for the work, which means you have to teach people how to go do it, not tell them what to do. You have to equip them according to Ephesians 4. That's what us as fivefold ministries are really about, not controlling people's lives. Control is the ability to influence behavior. I shouldn't be influencing seasoned Christians' behavior. They should have been disciplined so that when they're old enough, they live on their own, work out their own salvation. But what we find is in the church world, if I could just speak to that, because that's the world I know for 30 years, is I find so many leaders or pastors, if you will, or, or fivefold ministry or whatever you want to call them, uh, whatever, however you label it in your ministry, right? That we want to influence people consistently for 30 years, but we never empower them to go flourish and fly out of the coop, right? We want to keep everybody really close and tight to us, define all of their negatives and weaknesses rather than uh, supporting those negative and weaknesses, giving them a foundation in a short period of time and tell them to kick kick them out of the nest. Let them go fly on their own, make mistakes, because that's how you and I both became who we are today is being flying out of there. And here's the thing. Most of the time, it's the leader that won't accept the change. We we want we love what we got. We love the people around. We love those. And the reality is, change is inevitable. You you either going to change or you're going to die. One of the two. It's it's one of those two things. Why right? And the reality is, by nature, people are creatures of habit. We don't like change. Uh, we don't like change in our ministries. We don't like l- relinquishing control of anything where we don't have the control. We're creatures of habit. We love what we love, and we just do that, right? Um, <clears throat> what we, you talk about in this implementation of change, I'm just hitting a few highlights real quick. Uh, any growing ministry organization will require change to sustain the growth. So let me just tell you what I, what I mean by this. Without change... We will always fall to where we are rather than where we want then grow to where we're going to advance. Why? Because change require is required. You know, it's kind of like this. The higher you're building, the wider the footings, the foundation. You can't build a, a tower like a, 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 a sky rise on a house style foundation. Okay, so a, a two foot foundation footer in Kentucky to build a house on is not the footing that you're going to go build or sky rise on. That footing is going to have to be much wider to sustain the height of it. Now, you may go down, when we were getting ready to rebuild here at our church, uh, they told me to be able to build up, I'm going to have to reinforce the footings in my existing building because it will not sustain the weight, come on, of the, of the new height and growth of your, of your building. So would it cost me over about a million dollars? So we opted not to do that, right? So here's where I'm talking about this. Um, anything that's growing must, re- it will require change to sustain that growth. And you're going to have to figure out how to do those footings, right? 
So when you look at that, change is inevitable. Without change, it'll never grow. It, it, it'll just fall right back to where it is. Whatever your level of standards, your processes are, your, your uh, st- systems, your strategies are now, you, will, you may look like you go up, but you'll fall right back to it. You'll see this, ministries that do this, churches that go up and down, up and down, and they stay a consistent between 20 and 30 different in numerical number, but it never goes higher than the ceiling because your ceiling has been established by your your foundation and your foundation was established by your last level of growth. So you always have to adjust the the foundations. And so how do you implement it first? You got to acknowledge that you need change, right? Um, So you got to look at that. The last thing I want to say about this, there's two types of change. There's flexible or what we could consider adaptive where you adapt it. Uh, which is slow. And then there's transformative, which means it's like an overnight, like 30 days and it's completely transformed. You're remodeling the house and you come in and they transform everything. It's a complete makeover where it's like, whoa, what happened? Those are two types of of change. Now I want to help you. I'm not an advocate of one or the other. I believe in both. I do believe you have to determine where you're at to determine which one is going to work for you, right? And so you have to first accept change. I've done both. I've been adaptive and transformative. I've done both in 30 years. And I can tell you they both have great benefits, but they both come with consequences, right? That that ramifications of the change, which you're always going to have. So you have to look at that. So how do you implement this change? How do you go from uh, control-driven leadership to growth-driven leadership? How do I go from growth-driven leadership to control-driven leadership? How do I implement this change? What do I need to do? Well, if I've been a, I kind of see it this way. I see a lot of people that have been in growth or control-driven leadership for a long time. I know that, you know, I grew up in an era where there was more control-driven leadership uh, in, in in society, all over society, churches, businesses, organizations. Today, I'm into an era that I see a lot more of growth-driven leadership than I do control-driven leadership. And so the problem is you can see that there's an un- imbalance in both of them. But when you got both of those working together, man, you can just see a steadiness and, and it might grow and it just grows and it grows and they grow. They bump each other up. And so how do I implement it? This is, this is what I want you to look at. Last time, I talked about this, having a, an inner, executive inner circle, that was your thermostat, right? So this is what it talks about. It, you got to evaluate what is and what is not working. If there is no growth and you're in growth-driven leadership, you're going to have to determine why are we not growing? What's not working? What is and what is not? If, if, if in growth-driven leadership, we're not seeing numerical numbers, why are we not seeing it? Is it because we are really not empowering people? Is it because we are not rewarding growth and we're not celebrating when we do see it? Is it because we're not empowering people? What does that look like? What's not, what is working in growth? What is it? Is it we are empowering people? We're pushing people? We're generating excitement? Uh, is it because we're completely casting vision? We're, we're completely celebrating where we're going, not where we've been? What is and is not working? You will have to to have that evaluation, you'll have to have that people that, that take the thermostat for you and understand what that looks like. So you're going to have to ask, here's how you determine it. Here's how you evaluate. Number one, ask the department heads, ask your team leaders, ask the people that are actually in the, in the combat zone, ask them what is and what is not working. What are their struggles and what are their victories? You'll, you'll hear some of that. Uh, you'll have to ask some of these questions to them. Like what, what do we need to change? Um, why is this change required? You'll need to ask those two questions 
in any moment that you feel like there's problems, right? Any moment you feel like we're no longer growing, uh, even going from control uh, growth over to control, it's uh, or, or control to growth. It's like okay, we've established everything, so now we need to move forward to push people out of the nest, right? You have to evaluate what is and what is not working. You'll have to ask these two questions: What is? What do we need to change? Right? Not, not, and you got to be okay with it. You got to be okay with it. And why is this change required? You need the answer to both of those. What do we need and why is it required? Because these, this thing is, is stunting growth. Can I, let me tell you what happened with our ministry. So when we, when I took over, um, I began to implement a few months before I took over the ministry when I realized I was taking it over. I, I began to have leadership meetings. I began to talk to people in the leadership. I pulled those closest to me. And I began to explain to them, actually, I talked to my staff first, and they gave me some thoughts about what's not working. So I brought them together, and I basically told all of my leaders, I said, listen, I'm going to require more out of you than ever before. We, I've been with you for 20 years. I've been in the leadership position with you for 20 years. Uh, we know each other, but my leadership style is a little bit different. And I'm going to expect more out of you than what's been expected. Nothing against my, my parents or my in-laws. Uh, but what I did do is I went to them and I said, that what needs to be changed and what's required. And so I saw I needed the leadership to be more, more visual right? They need to be more effective and they need to be more active. And why is it required? Because people are following the leaders. And so I brought that to the team and I told them what I expected. I gave them two months to think about it and decide whether they want to do it or not. They all came back and said, we're willing to do it. When I saw that, right, this is what I'm talking about is what needs and what's required is I had to approach the leadership team, the whole leadership team of Abundant Life Church and empower them to do more than they've ever done before. I had to ask that question and this is what I mean by evaluating it. I saw it from my inner circle and then I took it to all of my leaders and I went from, I'm not telling you what to do anymore. Here's the vision, go do it and come report to me. That's all it was. And that right there, that one thing where I took my thumb, if you could see me right now, I got my thumb uh, just sitting in the air. My thumb was on them when I took it off of them, I am not consciously thinking of them. I'm thinking about where we're going, and I don't have to worry about them because they've already been developed. So you have to see what I'm talking about. You have to understand what's required. <laughs> Woo, that means trust, right? I just did one, how to how leadership is trust. I did one a few weeks back. You got to go look at that. I had trust. They trusted me, and I trusted them. Okay. Second thing is you got to evaluate first. Second thing is you're going to determine this. Who and what will be impacted by this change? You have to ask, ask and answer that question because in every aspect of change, somebody will be affected and the what? The system, the practices, the, uh, the processes, the policies, it's all going to get affected in change. You're going to have to determine what that is. You know, change will not just impact the area that you make. It will, it'll affect the people. Right, it, it will it, it will affect people, not just areas and things and processes. So you're going to have to determine, predetermine, talk that out, think that through before you go and shift. You're going to have to see where that is going to be. These are some questions that I would ask you to ask. Number one, when you're determining who and what will it impact. Number one, what are the impacts of the change? So when I took my hand off of every of control style leadership and gave it to leaders around me, what changed? What impact was? I didn't know everything. I wasn't, a, I wasn't making all the decision. I had to trust 
that the people around me were, were strengthened and mature enough to make the same type of decisions I was going to make. Uh, I was risking, this is what I'm talking about. I was risking somebody making a decision that I didn't agree with. And how was I going to respond to that? This is what I'm talking about. What are the impacts of change? So when I released the control and I gave the permission to function, this is some things that I had to settle in my heart that I was comfortable with, right? Who will the change affect the most? Well, in our ministry, when I did this, it had changed our, it affected our whole church because our whole church was, it was used to the pastor making every decision. And it went from the pastor making every decision to the pastor empowering many leaders to make them decisions and just report the decision they made so that I support delegated authority. And that's really what happened. It exponentially in three months, we more than doubled before the pandemic in three months, more than doubled. Uh, in our church, just this one level of change. It went from control-driven leadership to growth-driven leadership. Uh, And then watch this. The third question you have to ask about determining the impact, it's how will the change be received? Now you have to work through that in your mind. You got to know your church. You got to know your organization. You got to know your business. You got to understand how is this going to change some people? Well, The beauty for me was I was part of the executive inner circle, if you will, that could take the thermostat and determine where people were. I saw that people were ready for a different uh, type of leadership growth where it was no longer the control, but trust me. Basically, it was the cry, trust me to be a Christian. Trust me to be an evangelist-style Christian. Trust me with the the Great Commission. That's what it was heard. Trust me with leadership. Trust me that you've you've imparted into me. Now, there's time right now as I'm shooting this, right now I'm hearing from the leaders is, I need help. This growth, sustained how do I do this? What do I do? So now it went from growth-driven to now we're dealing with control-driven. I'm tightening things. People around me, and, and some of are probably listening, but everybody around me is wondering, what's going on? And I'm thinking, I'm tightening it up. I just had staff meeting. I'm tightening it up, tightening it up, tightening it up. And slow, I'm doing it flexible or adaptive. It's not transformative. It's not all of the sudden. It's slowly things are tightening so that we can stri- strengthen the foundation to sustain growth. This is what you have to do. How will it be received? you got to know the people. If you don't know the people, you won't know what it'll be done. And I'm going to tell you, my leadership style was relational and I knew people. I knew everybody in the church and I knew where they were. Just simple conversations, simple questions, simple hearing things out of their mouth. I knew we were ready to go, which is why we more than doubled in three months of of when I took over the church. Uh, my pastors, my in-laws, they did phenomenal. We have, I, I inherited, listen, I inherited a, a supernatural, uh, foundational, structured church. And it was time for our church to grow. God was in, in, insisting that we grow numerically and touch more people. So we did. Praise God. Amen. The third thing is, watch, the first thing is you got to understand, you got to evaluate it. The second thing, you got to determine the who and the what are going to be affected by it. The third thing, you got to develop a communication strategy. You have to develop this communication strategy. How am I going to communicate change? What is that going to look like? You got to realize an aspect, if not one of the most top three in Terry's mindset, of uh, structural, the church, business, organization killers is lack of communication at any level. It's one of the killers. It will, it will, it will be the dagger that kills right to the heart and drains everything. That it's the lack of communication. Uh, th- and this is the key. You're going to have to have a communication strategy from the top down so that everybody understands things are just starting to tighten up a little bit. Okay. Before we make these choices, because we're affect, we're, here's what, here's how you communicate it. I'm not dealing with the moment. 
What we're doing is adjusting the way we do things right now for a season, not for today, but for sustained future growth. Because the growth that we have, it's really tough to hold on to this growth without offending people, losing people, if we don't readjust certain things and tighten some things up, tighten up some protocols and establish procedures and policies that are already in place where people are not just shooting from the hip. This is what I'm talking about. When it starts, when growth happens, it's shooting from the hip decisions. Then we go from those to these are the procedures. And now everybody knows it and everybody's on the same page. And so you have to understand, you got to communicate that all the way down when you begin to adjust that, right? Uh, These are the two, this is... These are the two questions that I would ask, okay? This is what, how will the change be communicated? How am I going to stand up? I'm not going to stand up on a pulpit and say, hey, everybody, guess what? We are going from growth-driven to leadership to now I'm going to take complete control. You can't do that. You know, you, you have to communicate it based in meetings. You got to bring to the inner circles. You got to bring it in your staff and say, okay, we got to tighten some things up. The how you're going to do it, watch this. This is the key component to finding success in change is how do you do this? What are we going to do? How do what? And it's not so much the how, how are you, how will the change be communicated? When you communicate, it can't be the how, but it's got to be the why. We got to sustain for the future. And then everybody, you know what they do? They all get on board with vision. Future speaks of vision. And when you speak about that, people will jump on board with you and follow you there. Second thing is, How will feedback be managed? Because in any type of change, whether control to growth or growth to control, there's going to be feedback. How do you manage that? How does that get up the levels and different tiers and report, you know, direct reports? So a person on the third or fourth tier leadership, how does it get to the first tier leadership? Because that's vital information. You're going to have to ask that question. How do we do that? Well, that comes to meetings right? In growth-driven leadership, you have very few meetings. In control-driven leadership, you have a lot more meetings. So you see, how do we get that feedback? What's working? What's not working? And you've got to manage that. You've got to put in some, we're doing it right now. We put in some direct reports monthly that we used to do. Why did we do that? So we can get feedback. So we know what's going on because growth is great, but it's also painful, right? And so you've got to have that. Fourth thing, one is you got to evaluate what's not working. Two, determine who and what it's going to impact. Three, develop the communication strategy. Four, you're going to have to provide effective training in the in the in this. So every bit of change requires effective training, not just training. It means it's got to be pinpoint. It's got to be structured. It's got to be like decisive in your training. You have to do that. We we have changed things without training. And this is what this is what happens in our ministry. I've seen it. That's why we're we're pulling back just a hair in our church. Why? Because growth is supernatural and exponential. But I'm finding that there's holes in all of our structures. So now we got to train them to be able to sustain them. So how do you do that? You bring in experts, you bring in professionals and you put them around your teams and you teach them things. You create uh, other opportunities for communication. We generated, we got an app. It helps us with scheduling. It's it's how do you manage everything that that we used to do that's not working is you have to put in training. Watch, Um, part of that training is the moments you allow them to fall flat on their face is in the training. You let them just... Why? Because then you fix things and you establish a standard. You know, without without training, you're going to have more worse issues than you have now. It's just this is the key component. Without training, the issues of you can have growth uh, or control, 
But if you don't train in either one of them, you're gonna, the, it'll be far worse of, a, of an issue than it is with the growth problems, right? Or the non-growth problems. So questions in number four of providing effective training is this. Number one, what behaviors and skills are required to achieve the results? What is that? What, what behavior, what do we need to change? How do we need to address some things? What are some skills that need to be sharpened? Uh, you know, in our ministry, one of those is an usher. Let's talk about our ushers. We, we do believe praying and laying on the hands and falling out in the spirit. Whatever you want to believe that, I'm not judging you, don't judge me. Uh, and so our usher, ushers at the altar, when they catch, uh, it's the, the skills and the behavior we're noticing right now where there has to be some adjustments. And you got to figure out because you don't want them and the way they do things because they're all new because it's growth. Just listen to what I'm saying. And you got to understand, you got to implement new behaviors and skills to achieve the results that you're looking for in your growth. Second thing is, second question, what training delivery methods will be most effective? You're going to meet constantly, one-on-one, one-on-five. What is it? Is it video? What is it that you're going to do? You're going to have to ask that question to establish your training effectively, your training procedures. Okay. One, evaluate what's not working. Two, determine the who and the what is going to affect it. Three, to de- develop the communication strategy. Four, you're going to have to provide effective training. And five, implement a support structure. This is a team of people that will get behind the change. That means realistically is your Jesus' 12. His 12 disciples who became the apostles got behind what everything he preached and supported it, which changed the world as we know it. You have to have a support structure, people that believe in you, that know your vision, which to me looks like your executive circle is what it looks like to me. Uh, A team of people that can be the liaison between the change and the leadership. So they're going to have to be able to put out fires. This, this, the support structure, put out fires, weather the storm, uh, listen to some things, give counsel, critique, advice, but come back to the main leader and say, these are our real problems. You're going to have to, this is your problem. You got to fix this. Or there, I told them we're going to, it's got to be a support on both sides. It can't just support the leader. It has to support the people. So you have to understand that you have to do this. Here's the two questions. Where is support most required? In what area of the ministry, the church, the entity, the organization? What, where, is the mo, where is support most required? Is it with the people? Is it with the leadership team? Is it with the leader? Where is it most required? And you're going to have to ask that question. And then watch this. What types of support will be most effective? Is it communication, counsel, advice, one-on-one, teams, team building, right? Is it team unity building? Whatever those things are, you're going to have to figure those things out. So listen, how do you implement change? I just went through those five. Go back and look at them, but here they are. One, evaluate what needs to be changed. Two, determine what the impact will be. Three, develop the communication strategy. Four, provide effective training. And five, implement a support structure. Why? Because you can't always have control and expect growth, and you can't always have growth and expect growth, right? Or keep control. So you're going to have to have one of, you can't ride two horses at once, right? But you're going to have to pick a decision and go with it. You can't be indecisive in your ministry or your church or your business. You're going to have to have both of these. You're going to have to sure up the foundation and you're going to have to give some authority. You're going to have to, if you keep the foundation strong, but you never give authority, you'll never grow further than you are today. I'm just telling you that. I've seen it throughout scripture. I've seen it throughout other entities and organizations. The people that have know how to balance between the two actually, listen, actually have the greatest level of success, not numerical, but greatest level of success or retention or what we call you'll know them by their fruit or their fruit will remain. 
That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for you. And I pray today that this content helped you. Again, check me out on my website, terrylinscott.com. Shoot me a comment, hit me a thumbs up, send me a feedback, whatever it is. And until next time, I pray that the anointing of Jesus Christ get all over you to enable you to do everything he's called you to do. Connect with Terry on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts to help this message reach more people so together we can create anointed leaders all over the world. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, we're believing God with you and for you that whatever you put your hand to will prosper in Jesus' name.